This is Pastor Troy. We're getting ready to launch our next episode with you. And before we launch that episode, we've got something real new that we couldn't put in the episode, but we want you to see it now for the first time ever in season three. We have an affiliate advertising partner, and that is slnt.com. And before we launch our show in just a minute or so, we want to introduce you to them. You'll be finding out more about them this season. But right now, before we launch this incredible show, check out this advertisement from our new partners at slnt.com. You want to be a part of this, and then stay tuned for the next on the dock with Pastor Troy and the gang. Here we go. There are more than 8 billion phones in the world, a fact that threatens your privacy, security, and health. With Silent Pocket Faraday protection, you can regain control over your mobile devices. We get it. Privacy and security are inconvenient topics, and you may feel like you have nothing to hide, but the fact is that in the modern world, your laptop is never really off. Your phone emits a signal, even in airplane mode. And everything from your passport to your credit cards contains RFID. And all of it contains valuable private information that is easily exploited in the wrong hands. Silent Pocket offers a range of products you already use. Wallets, bags, travel gear, laptop sleeves, key cases. But with the added protection of our patented Faraday technology, which turns your devices invisible and safe from the outside world. Many industries, from top business professionals government officials require the use of Faraday products for the day-to-day -day security of them and their staff. They understand that we are constantly at risk and take the necessary steps to prevent future attacks. We offer this elite technology to anyone that values their personal data, and we are proud to offer a premium range that fits seamlessly into your everyday life, providing security without looking like a tinfoil hat. As we learn to live with technology, Silent Pocket stands on the three pillars of privacy, security, and health. Our goal is to provide harmony with mobile technology without risking our most valuable information. We hope you'll trust us to help you do the same. Pastor Troy here on the doc.org dropping episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. We've been doing that now. We're in season three. Check that out every Tuesday and Thursday. Something new's coming your way. We're all about conversations around this cottonwood table that will propel you out of these seats. This beautiful picture that my daughter drew, Megan, she's an artist, out of the out of the shallows and out of that pass into the deep and that lighthouse, the hope of Christ will keep you safe out there. Matter of fact, if you let the old captain be your captain. The old ship of Zion. That's an old old gospel song. Old ship of Zion. Uh, let him guide you out there. You could do amazing things for God. Uh, we're gonna tell you a little bit more about the show, but we're in studio with some people that have really, 
let Jesus captain their lives and do amazing things. So you're here for a good episode, part three of it. Go to YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes. You can find those other two episodes in this series we're in today. You can find our whole last two seasons and go back and start in the beginning of season three. Google Play, Facebook, Roku, Rumble, Sermonet are auxiliary channels, but go to YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes first. And Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Telegram, and gather our social media sites. Sound like that plane's bombing us outside, doesn't it? That's the first time I've heard an airplane go over through my headset. Man, that must be that new big contour airline plane or something. I don't Airbus. know. Yeah, Airbus. I, I mean, I, gosh. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Telegram, Getter. Let us know if you heard the airplane buzz our church. We're at the end of a runway, this church is. We're getting bigger planes out here. The Chicago planes are bigger than the Chicago. Cape yeah. Air is just like, it's like 5 o'clock Charlie on MASH. But these contour airlines, a big plane. It hits our house oh, every yeah, night. Military stuff. Yeah, every now and then you get some made here. Uh, go check us out. If, if we don't like you to gripe on our, our social media. We like to hear testimonies and, and conversations, but if the airline stuff bothers you, gripe about Donna. Donna's our tech today. She let it go through the mic. No, Donna's here. She has no camera. She can't defend herself on microphone. She's over there in isolation and silence. And if you hit subscribe, like, notify, then YouTube likes us better. They'll give us, maybe sometimes they'll monetize us. Hey, if not, in the meantime, go to my Patreon. It's our site. Patreon is an application where you, as a non-for-profit organization, can can, they'll help you monetize and do donations. And so on the dock with Pastor Troy is on my Patreon. Download the app with your uh, your Google or your, your Android or your uh, your iPhone. And you can look up on the dock and you can find out how to be a part. There's four levels of partnership, three levels of sponsorship. I like it. You got the lower third up there. I, I like that. You got, got four lo- levels of partnership, 510. Uh, so, well, I got to go look at it. 510, 20, $50 a month. You can support what we're doing, bringing in our guests and different things and getting Donna a microphone and her own camera. We normally have one for her, but we're at four guests. We're maxed out. So we need a board that can hold like six microphones because we've got some stuff later this season. We're planning. We have another studio to the side, to the side. And we're going to have some stuff. We're going to have like six, seven people in here. It's going to be like a cage match. and But we got to get a few more microphones to do a cage match, maybe another camera too. Uh, show us that one camera that's the old camera. Which, which, which it's, It would be our, yeah. See that crappy camera? No, you got to look up here, right right, right here, Mike, out here. See, see, this is our season one camera. Okay, show, our season, show them our season two cameras. Boom. Wow, so these, these are, our, yeah, no, this is what we did the whole season one with. I mean, I, I can't believe anybody even look at me like that. I'm sorry. See that? But we've been you letting Donna use that. So that's been the Donna cam. But today we had to have, we have more guests, so we have it over here. And we need to get a better Donna cam. And then Donna got a light. We bought Donna a light finally. And then we need another uh, Studio B cam. So help us out. Go to my Patreon. Be a partner of the show. Or you could be a sponsor. And a sponsor will talk all about you. You know, we'll drink your product, Crown Brew here. We'll put a cup on the table instead of my on the dot cup. And uh, we'll may, maybe even do a show about you. Uh, we'd love to have you go check that out. And we just got picked up as an official affiliate of SLNT. Go check out the Faraday bags and reclaim your right to disconnect. I hope you saw that promo that we did on that. We also have that product code in our notes of the show, slnt.com backslash discount backslash OTD, or you can just go to slnt.com. If you put in OTD at the end of the code, you're going to get a lot cheaper price because you get a discount because you put in OTD and you're going to get some shipping discounts and all kinds of special things will pop up. So go check that out. Go to onthedoc.org. You can find all of our links to all of our platforms. You can find a link to my Patreon and a link to how to buy your own Faraday bags. And hopefully you'll find that info at onthedoc.org is our email. You can get questions answered and all these things. I'm on studio set and we've got our co-host back. Mother Beth is back. We got rid of the bearded Beth. Bearded? Yeah, in the first episode when she's filling in, it, I said, Dan's filling in for Mother Beth. She put your lower third in. 
Yeah, but she put your Lord there. So so we decided that his hair was here, and so he's the bearded Beth. Oh, okay. So, so now you've shaved, and you've got your hair fixed. She was. Your hair looks marvelous. Social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Telegram, get her. Let us know how Mother Beth's hair looks today. She looks great. Looks beautiful. Got the nails done last week. Got the hair ready to go. We're ready for the holiday season. She wasn't here for the first two episodes because she was not moving. Her Christmas haircut appointment. I dated this episode again. She's not moving her haircut appointment, even for you, Mike or Crystal. Okay. I just found out that it was the, well, the worth it. well, the beautician ladies, the the ladies, they get serious about their haircut schedules. You know, they're at the, holidays. at the holidays. It's like she told me she had to get it like two months ago. Normally, she'd get in to see this woman anytime, and now all of a sudden, it's like you better get it now, or you don't get in. You you have to go in the new year looking like a hag. You know, but no, no. no. So, it's. It's, it's true. It's I'm true. getting a perm on the yes. 30th of December, but one of my coworkers uh, is actually doing it because she's a beautician along with working for Take Action today. So Oh, that's a good deal yeah. for yeah. you. You've got a good connection. You've got yeah. a good connection. So we've got Donna over in the booth on tech. You can't see her today, but she is writing us up and telling me stuff on social media. Yeah, she's using Post-it notes social media, but, but it is social media of prehistoric origin take action today taking it to the street spotlight they're here in episode three today we're going to talk about challenges and next moves we're going to kind of summarize up some of their stuff and take a look at it so we're going to be looking at their ministry here and on the set here for this episode got mike tyson the executive director and founder again mike you've done a great job in these episodes really been great to have you today crystal uh you were here with us in episode two and you're here for the part three and you're the director of operations uh man I, they told me when you got here you wouldn't really talk at all that you 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 wouldn't be able to but you were fantastic uh, they underrated you so yeah. much yeah normally uh if mike and i are in the same room we have to kind of try to okay he gave me the half a second so that's my chance to jump in yeah and and dan dan co-hosted the first two episodes and dan dan's got huge connection to them so we're going to get in that next episode he also goes to church here and and so that's kind of how i've I, i've got connected to these guys so we're going to feature that next but what's cool is dan can talk too. dan you get dan and mike you three of you guys with the mic were dangerous i mean that's the first time i've been called down by our producers like, like you're at 55 you know because 45 is our goal we never hit that but but we kind of like 55 we're like cutting bait and we have gone to 65 don't get me wrong and of keep... course you didn't add to that at all right? no i couldn't get a word in edgewise <laughs> I, I told dan, dan didn't talk a lot in the first episode and in the hall i said dude Dude, you got to grab the mic like you own it. I said, it's like a ball, fumble. You got to get it, you know? Oh, I Just did. punch that's, me out of the way. That's why I'm glad I'm on yeah. this side because I waited. Yeah. Same with yeah. him. I was watching. I was like, now's my chance. Yeah, you yeah. just got to jump yeah. in. You just got to weigh in. Yeah. Yeah. And Mike's not scared of that at all, so he can handle it. That's, I, right. that's right. No, no, you did a great job. You guys are fantastic, and what you're doing is great. Now, I I, I, prom I got two follow-up questions uh, from our social media uh, uh, work here in my notebook, and I want to ask these before we do the summary, and then we'll get into uh, challenges and moves. Okay, there are a lot of people out there. Go watch part one and part two. Fantastic. Okay, uh, Crystal, Mike, I'm going to give this to you both. And, and I know if Dan was here, he would do this. But I, I know that, that Donna, all of us, we, we all have church backgrounds, whether it be Catholic background. You were raised Catholic, right? Okay. I was raised Presbyterian, nothing. And, and, and you know, then I was a Methodist pastor. And now I'm a non-denom non Wesleyan pastor still. But, but everybody has a different background. I, some of the worst wounds out there are the church wounds, are the Christian wounds, the wounds of so-and-so brother, so-and-so sister, sexual molestation, um, abuse, um, uh, 
power trips, and, and some of it just horrible stuff. I mean, horrible stuff. We were opening up our, I'm a church planner. I've planted multiple churches. We were planning our very first church in Highland, Illinois, back in circa 89, 91, 90. And the, the week that our first service was starting, the front page of the paper, we bought this whole thing about come join Highland Hope for their first church service launching in Highland. And the next article below the page, United Methodist pastor, community over, being arrested for molestation of children. He's probably done it in about the last six, five places he's been. How do you like that? United Methodist church starting, United Methodist preacher arrested. Same page. I wanted to climb in a hole because now they associate the two of us together. And I just think about how long that went on, how many people were damaged and how many people will turn to other things to medicate because we're, should have been a safe and a healing place. They were abused. Church has been used as a power control for a lot of people for a long time. So you run into people, I assume that have deep church wounds. What do you do as a faith based 501 C three non-for-profit? I know you will take people. We've clearly talked about, you'll take people where they are without knowing Christ at all, and you'll walk them through a process, and that process is going to let them see people who Christ has touched, and they can decide for themselves, right? Sure. Okay. What are you going to do about people that that part of their recovery is massive PTSD from the church? Because it could be people that were molested, but it could also be PKs that saw what was done to their family, yeah. and, and they hate the church, or worse. So how do you cope with those? Because I think if you're faith-based, I don't think there's a way out of life to eternal life without Jesus. But if Jesus as people have been the source of your pain, how do you get past that pain to trust in Jesus again? Yeah. Well, I was like, okay, do I have that two second opening? <laughs> yep, you go. So uh, basically because of the fact that every day I ask God uh, to use me as a vessel, since I'm still here and I've survived that old lifestyle, I've I ask him to use me as a vessel. And so if I'm going to trust that Jesus is actually going to use me, he is bringing people as he sees fit to our organization, right. to a friend who will tell a friend who tells a friend. There's an opening. Yes. Right. I have to believe that because we have trusted God so far and, and he's growing the organization and putting the word out to, to let people know that there is hope and there is faith. So... Once again, I feel like the more people that see the results, they have to believe that something is greater than us. Yes. don't. I always tell people, don't trust your preachers. Don't trust in anything other than your personal relationship with Christ. You should be able to look to leaders in Christ. You should. But the Pharisees are the ones who, 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 who scheme to crucify Jesus. Yeah. The Sadducees were a part of that. It's always been the religious people that have schemed to get rid of community personal relationship, a movement. Yeah. And Jesus was a movement. Take action today. You've defined in the first episode as a community, as a, a, a recovery coaching. Jesus was a disciple maker. You, you're into making disciples that are recovering. So you've talked about community, mutuality. Um, you've talked about um, recovery coaching and, and, and all that. And, and, and you said, I think you mentioned the opposite of addiction. You quoted Johan, uh, how you say his last Hari. name? Hari. The opposite of addiction is connection. So if somebody's been disconnected by that, you're actually going to show them a real relationship with Christ. And that may take them time to trust yeah. because they would be skeptical. Yeah. But you know what? I, I think skepticism's okay. Yeah. Well, and hopefully just from the minute they walk into one of our centers, uh, they already can feel that, like, how can I help you? 
You know, um, we had someone actually reach out to us on our phone line, and for some reason they, they said, we'd like to come and wash a load of clothes. And we said, well, you can come up until 2 o'clock. You know, we need some time for washer, dryer, and before our staff has to go home. And they said, I'm not a druggie. And uh, I don't know why they felt the need to put that in they the text clarify message. That. Um, and, and I was like, hmm, how do I even answer that? And I just said, well, we accept, our center is well open and welcome to anyone in the community. Feel free to just come in. Right. Uh, because it doesn't matter what you are or who you are, we're here to provide you that I service. I love that. Yeah. Now, now, now if, if somebody is, a lot of times, like I mentioned in this last episode, they see somebody on alcohol, they see somebody on drugs. A lot of people see, well, they're down and out because they're on alcohol and drugs. And really we find out a lot of times there's something much deeper under that. It could have been their church experience, could have been somebody violated, could be family, could be, you, as you shared in your testimony, multiple generations of other baggage projected onto you. And you've now picked that up and it's been transferred using counseling language, transferred to you. And you can counter transfer that to your children. Absolutely. And next generation happens all the time. Okay. So, so a lot of people see the drug addict and think, well, they're in that shape. They're homeless because they're drug addict. But, but as you shared, you could be homeless way before you're a drug addict. You just began to look for what you can get to find relief. And you, you, and you, you find that Beth didn't get to hear this in part one, but he gave, um, he gave the example of what do you call it? The, 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 the dual rats. What was rat that part? The rat part. Well, you, the first one was just the, the test of the two rats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Explain a, that one more time. It was, That's a, it was a basic experiment done back in the 50s that basically explained behaviorism from a psychology, why people would become drug addicts. This is powerful. Yeah, so so they took these rats and they put them in basically a sterile, uh, almost lab type of environment. Mm -hmm. And they basically had two choices. One, one was uh, a liquid nourishment. And then another one had liquid nourishment with a drug in it, cocaine or heroin. It was some typically thought of as super addictive substance. And what they found was that the rats preferred the water with the drugs in it, the substance in it. Mm -hmm. So this, this research experiment led to the foundation of a lot of the way we approach addiction now. Um, but what somebody figured out during the 70s was they came along and figured out that the rats were in this sterile, plain, ordinary, boring life. So what they did was they recreated the experiment, but this time they put the rats in what they called rat park, where it had playgrounds, they could socialize in community. They called it a rat paradise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what they found was that the rats no longer chose the liquid nourishment with the drugs in it. They chose the regular water because all their needs were being met by their community. Really? Yes. yes. So, huh. so, so this has led to this gentleman, Johan Hari. He's got this TED Talk. It's everything you think you know about addiction is wrong. And what he proposes is that the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. And that really, this whole time really we've been, it is. And this whole time we've been approaching substance use and drug addiction from the completely wrong perspective. Right. And it comes back to something that you're talking about similar here. <laughs> when we talk about church hurt and when we talk about church trauma and people being hurt uh, through the church, you know, at the end of the day, we're all in recovery from something. Right. As Christians, we know this as we're in recovery from sin. Right. Mm -hmm. You know? So, so, and it takes it, it manifests itself in many ways. Absolutely. And really, no one's worse than the other. It just seems, oh, the church did it, but the church crucified Jesus. So, I mean, Absolutely. you know, you know, so sin takes many forms, mm -hmm. but the key is to overcome it. Right. So, and you talk about, uh, I think we talked about it earlier about how people experience a lot of frustration working with people who experience substance use, chronic substance use, and homelessness because we're so needy. 
you know, and, and, and we're used to, especially people from a faith-based background, they're used to being able to solve every problem with prayer. Oh, yeah. Well, just a quick prayer and be fine. Yes, but for some reason, substance use and a lot of these behavioral challenges defy that. You know, they the the problems progress. It seems like uh, they don't they don't get better with just prayer. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it, because there's new path new pathways and dopamine and the, yeah, the yeah. highs create new conflicts. Well, well, what yeah. what we do is prayer is very effective. We know that we it know starts there, but it's it not does. finished. Yes, because we break those spiritual bondages, but that that freedom has to be manifested in the physical world. Right. You know, and and that's so hard for us to deal with because. For a lot of clergy, for a lot of people, uh, pastors, a lot of church leadership, the only thing we do to know how to do is pray. We don't know how to approach all these other issues. So at Take Action Today, we don't necessarily approach it as an addiction issue or as a substance use issue. We approach it as a holistic issue where we're addressing all of these things. And rebuild a community around them. Absolutely. We don't only want you to get better from your substance use. We want you to get better with your job. We want you to get better in your relationships with your family. We want you to get better with God, you right. know, because it's this holistic idea of recovery. It's of not it. just, hey, let's get them sober, because there's 10 other ch- challenges that they have to deal with. Right. But you know? some churches actually make people feel guilty if, yes. if the prayer doesn't fix it. Oh, yeah, 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 um, yeah. Because yeah. I know well, my mom dealt with depression her whole life. Yes. And she felt like she shouldn't be on it. Well, she didn't like being on them anyway because they always wanted to put you on tranquilizers back then. They didn't really know how to treat yeah. depression. But when as it progressed and they came up with better ways to treat it, she felt guilty for... Uh, she wouldn't do that because she felt like... A lack of faith was just... Be, it's a lack of faith that was causing her yeah. to be depressed, that she should be able to overcome that on her Absolutely. own. Absolutely. You know, so... And so a, a theory that I like to use is that, um, because like I said, we started to talk in the last episode about some of my religious acquaintances mm-hmm. and their concept. Well, I, I got someone to come to my, you know, um, Celebrate Recovery or my Next Steps group or whatever that is, mm-hmm. um, and... They never came back again, and and for some people that is they're they're they can't not ready to deal with the God issue. So I've said, refer them to me. Let me work with them a little bit. Maybe if they get to another place, they'll be receptive to that. But maybe just not right. But you don't have to deal with that piece now. There's other pieces of the whole world holistically. You're dealing with other challenges. So, So if they're discouraged and they never come back there, they may die like that versus just saying hey if you're not ready for this let me refer you somewhere else but i also personally believe so like for my uncle the one that i was raised with Mm -hmm. um he died in his alcoholism um and so maybe it wasn't until he got to heaven that he was actually cured of his alcoholism. Right. For me, it wasn't a miraculous, hey, I woke up and I don't feel like using drugs anymore. Right. I've never right. used again. Yeah. Um, so for me, God had to work on all these pieces to make me a whole person in him to then be a value to help yeah, someone and, else. And I'm going to, I want to say something radical as a pastor here. I, I'm a, I'm a pastor professionally. I, I need people to hear this. You can be on drugs and on alcohol as an addiction and still be a Christian that's saved. Right. Yes. I think most people in their mind come from an old church background, think, oh, no, they've, they've fallen from grace. The Lord knows how he made you, and he knows, he knows your addictions and he knows your proclivities. I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm 
per clone to, uh, to diabetes. So some people aren't, some people are, you know, some of that's I'm fat, you know, you could, you could say, well, I deserve that. Or, or I, I I'm no, each of us are different. God knows my heart and God knows what my struggles are. And you could be the thief on the cross and be saved. The thief on the cross was guilty. He just threw himself on the mercy of Jesus. Yeah. He doesn't know how he got there, but all he knows is the guy in the middle said I could come. Yeah. And because he really reached out, there was community. The other thief was in the same condition, deserved to be there, and rejected that. And he got he got to go. Free will implies a lot of things, but free will doesn't mean you're free of all your issues. Well, exactly. But so, you know, my sobriety date is June 12, 2005. Mm -hmm. That was the last time I used a substance, but it took years to yes. heal and I am still being changed from glory Absolutely. to glory because I still, so I struggle with boundaries. I struggle with of course. judging people sometimes because oh, did if they just read the email, then, you know, everything would be okay. So I still have. And this is called discipleship. Struggles. It's the yes. process. But it is the process, but I also still, I'm not cured. I still go to my spiritual mentors, right. my boss. Who, I I've had lunch with my spiritual father yeah. yesterday. I've, I've got a vent. I told him today I have to vent. And then I'm going to ask you uh, if how I worded this email is proper, because I'm not just representing myself. I'm representing Take Action Today, Recovery, the Lord. So, I mean, I'm like, so I just need to vent about it first and then tell me if this is proper or not. I still need to ask for help. So we're well, all yeah, in a process. You're, you're still a human being. Absolutely. Yeah. We I all think, are. I think one of the things that makes us different at Take Action today and in, in peer support services is um, some of the things that you guys talk about uh, with with church hurt is a lot of judgment that happens and goes on huge amounts we remove that judgment in what we do right you know we're not judging you based on anything that you've done anything that you've said we just want to help you we just want to support you right whatever that may look like whatever you want that to be that's what we are going to be for you you know, and it's a different place. It goes back to that power dynamic we talked about in, I think, the last episode, where it's not me from a place of superiority telling you what you need to do to get better. Right. It's me looking you in the eye saying, I'm a person with these problems, too, and this right. is what I did to get better. Yeah. And, and as I yeah. said in the previous episode, Charles Persian said, evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. If you're attending a church and there is no grace for mistakes, yeah. you're in the wrong church. Yeah. Because they're following a different God. Mm -hmm. Our God was not a God of perfection. He gave the Jews 666 laws, which they couldn't pass because they said, we want to do it our way. We can't do it our way. Yeah. We can only do it by the grace, mercy, and love of Christ. Absolutely. So slipping's not the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin is never trusting in Christ. Mm -hmm. So if you, you can trust in Christ in your frailty and be saved. And you can trust in Christ and slip yeah. and still be saved. There's a difference between... It's not the sin that sends you to hell. It's the rebellion against God that sends you to hell. The Bible says all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The word sin is amoritano. It's not really sin. It's falling short. And as long as you're striving in the process toward, God knows your inclination. The Bible says, does your heart incline toward God? And I think as long as you're better today than yesterday, and you can take a step back and still be better than yesterday if you learn in the peer recovery process what tripped you. What caused that? You'll be yes. stronger next time, right? Yes, and that's what we use what's called the recovery action plan. And and there's a lot of different, people call it a lot of different things. But since there's a lot of stigma and they're changing language now, it used to be called the relapse prevention plan. Now they're saying that's a little stigmatizing. So we call it the recovery action plan. I, that, yeah. is, that is 
we work with you on that, you decide. Let's just say, for instance, you say, I really think I need to work on getting a job before I work on getting an apartment. Um, I'm, I'm safe where I'm at, staying at right now, so maybe I don't need housing and then a job. Maybe I need, you know what I mean? And once again, it's, it's person-centered, so it is up to you. Now, if for some reason, in our view, it seems like it might be a little unrealistic, like you say it's safe there, but then you're telling me that, the people you're staying with always fight and argue. Maybe you don't see it because you're just like, I have a roof over my head. We may um, use motivational interviewing to say something like, well, um, are you concerned at all that this is causing you to maybe not be as focused on looking for work because you're focused on that? So we try to find ways to just have you to see if your decision is good or bad and if you still want to move forward with it. So once again, it's about what you want, not what we think you need. Right. Right. Let Let me get into your stuff. Take action today. Dot net go to their website check it out they got a facebook site it's on the screen facebook.com backslash t-a-t dot s-o dot i-l you can check that out link to all their stuff they've got a list of programs i picked up at their gala an incredible brochure that just listed all kinds of things peer recovery support program that's i guess that's your root program is that where you started sure so t- that to get started if i want to peer recovery support program i've got i I, I've, I've decided I want to quit drinking. I've decided I want to quit using drugs. I've even maybe started to, to deal with those things. Maybe I've come out of a program, but I got to put my life back together. Or I, I just identified I need help. Yeah. How do I get to you to help me help me? <laughs> yeah, so we have a couple of different access points that we rely upon. Uh, typically a phone call like a lot of people do. Uh, we take self-referrals, people walking into our resource centers. We also take referrals from other agencies. That's good. So the idea is to create as many access points as we can for people because people are all in different places and they all get there in different ways. You know, um, so one of the first things that we'll do with an individual after they reach out to us, you know, typically it's a, you know, I need to get to treatment. They already have in their mind something that they need to do to start their process. So we'll meet with them. We'll perform a non-clinical screening and assessment on them. Uh, We screen for mental health, substance use, trauma, and suicide risk. And then we begin um, trying to address those challenges, predominantly by doing what we call removing barriers to recovery, Mm -hmm. which for some people that might be finding a bed space. And that's kind of what you were just talking about. You're going to start assessing those factors around them. Okay. So, So what we do is we first respond to the immediate need that they're experiencing. You know, and it might be something like that. It might be the need. It could be the highest threat or the highest. Yeah, yeah, basically. So a little triage. Yep, yep, a little bit of triage. So once we get them out of treatment or or maybe they're not at that level, maybe they just need some regular support. So we we set them up with one of our peer recovery specialists. They'll set a regular schedule for meeting them. The peer specialists will sit down with them. What's a normal normal frequency for something like that? Normal. I mean, I know everybody's different. So our our recovery support program is a six to 12 month long program. It's it's a phased program. So in the first phase, you might meet with a peer specialist once or twice a week, depending on what the person's needs. If a person needs to meet with somebody five days a week, that person's available for five days a week. If they only want once a week, that's okay. After a couple months, and so what the, the peer specialists will do is sit down with them, help them identify their own goals, what they hope to achieve through recovery. Crystal mentioned motivational interviewing. Motivational interviewing is a very non-confrontational technique that's really about getting the other person to vocally verbalize what they want to do rather than you telling them because it's a much more powerful thing when we audibly say that. Right. Um, so, so they would do that. They would meet with them that first time, then um, start setting up a recovery action plan then to achieve those goals. 
Now they have something to look at every week when they get together and meet. Hey, are you doing this? Are you doing that? You know, what can we do to help you get back on track? You know, where are you doing? What new goals do we need to set? Things like that. After a couple of months, it might transition to meeting with them twice a month rather than once every week. And then eventually once a month, and then they might complete the program and receive a certificate from us. And then hopefully if things are going really good, then we'll start recruiting them to come into our training programs because it doesn't stop at completing our program. Now we want to see how far you can go because that's really where our strength is is giving people purpose and meaning can some of that purpose begin to be they're giving back into other people's lives absolutely because they're normally surrounded with another group of people that have been in the world with them yeah and people are seeing them claw out or come out or and next thing you know you know they've got grandkids kids looking at them yeah. family looking at friends drinking buddies they're drug buddies yeah. you know now they have a world behind them so you're beginning to equip them to deal with that or at least become to to use what they've learned to help somebody else walk that direction? Absolutely, because, I mean, we know this as Christians, that one of the greatest things we can do is serve our, our neighbors, right? Newborn Christians will lead more people to Christ in yeah. the first year sometimes than people have been Christians Same their thing life. with somebody in recovery. Yeah. You catch somebody a year in recovery, they're just starting to get their legs, there is nobody more motivated They'll bring more to people. Else. Nothing like one beggar finding another. Yep. It's, a, it's a Spurgeon thing again. And one thing I, I heard when you said in the first episode, you talked about recovery coaching. You defined it as that. And I was thinking so much when Dan was talking in episode two about the concept of coaching, that what you like about your program is you've got somebody coaching you that's been through your valley. And so when I was, when I played football, you know, I coached football for 20 years, you know, very successfully. My kids did well, played. And, and, you know, when I was playing line and defensive line, my coaches that coached me were, were former defensive linemen coaches. Mm-hmm. And on, on your defensive side, he was a defensive coordinator, at least played on the defensive side. So you, you when the coach was talking to you, you respected them because they had played the game, you know? Every now and then you got a coach that never played. There's some dad that just volunteered. No, that didn't work. You know, you needed to hear from somebody that had been hit before, you know? You know, and, and the more I hear you talk. But that's that connection. It's almost See? like a football coach. It's relatable. You know, you, you're somebody that played, but now you're going to walk with other people as they learn to play the game you played loved and i hear a lot of football coaching and i as you meet with people what we do as football coaches is we go watch film and we go back and say what do we do wrong what do we do right how do we prove on that in the next game your technique here you did this you, you had that you, you you opened yourself up to this here you know and that's how you got hit sounds like the same thing spiritually and with 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 your behavioral recovery and the in keeping things realistic though you know there are people who come to us for services and i'm going to do this this and this and as you said the sin nature and just falling short as humans we get some people who have good intentions but don't always follow through on their plan or even on their appointments or maybe they've had a slip and they're they're ashamed um even though we show them nothing but love and we're, we don't scold them sure. for that, we do get people, unfortunately, that have said, you know, like, well, I stopped calling you because I had a slip and I just didn't know how to tell right. you, you know. The spirit but is willing, but the flesh, flesh is weak. weak. But, yes, but let me yes. say this, and I, I preached about this. But like, we keep calling those people still, too, though, like, hey, hope you're okay. We probably right. know what they're doing, but we still say, hey, you could still come back and have an appointment if you can. I you talked know, about right. this in a sermon, like, a few weeks ago, that... Our job as believers is to keep the light on. And and yes. when people leave the light, the prodigal father tr- trained him up. And when the son went and spent all the money, 
the one thing he, in his despair, he remembered how he was raised, yes. that it was better. And he went back just to be a servant. And, and he found out the father had been waiting the whole time for him to come home yeah. and graciously welcomed him back. Didn't lecture him or shame him, yeah. but he brought him back in. And I told people, you know, when our kids go off and they do wrong things, you know, Sometimes you have to draw a line as a parent and go, I'm not going to support you in that, but I'll be here when you're ready to come yeah. home. I'm not going to endorse that or help that, but I'll be here. We need to maintain the North because the people you think of as maybe failing the program, they, they felt like they failed. They at least know where you are now. Yeah. And when they get to that farther point, yeah. they'll know where to come back to. Sure. So the, the, the son came back to the father because he had lived there and seen it. Yeah. He didn't understand it, but when he got deeper down, he did. Sometimes people are almost ready to get help because they've lost everybody but they haven't decided themselves they need help. Yeah. I, I can't I can't understate how powerful the switching the focus from the goal to the process. Yes, is. it's always because, happening. Yes, because if we focus on the end goal, that's where we see failure. When we we have expectations of what people can become and when they don't achieve that, they have failed. And, yep. But when the process, when the discipleship, the growth journey is the is the goal. That's right. the goal. And, and you cannot fail You're right on. That. You're right. Yeah. And that's and that's the exact same thing for coaching that's, sports or football. Yeah. Any coach that walks in and says, we're going to win the Super Bowl. Yep. You've already failed. Yep. Because you got to get through your next practice. You got to win the, the preseason game. And then you got to get to your next game. And every Monday you start over in the process. And maybe the Super Bowl is 20 years from now. But it's a building process. And so you've got to treat Maybe it. it's 40 years. Right, right. But but you want to improve your play. Your goal is the process. And and I, I've never seen coaches that are bound for winning at the beginning of the season ever get there. you got to yeah. build it one game, one practice, and you, you practice to win. Yeah. And so the process, you'll win if you continue the process. So yeah. do you think that maybe I should apply to be the coach of the Chargers? I think you should. Yeah, the, the job they is might, open. They might be better off. They they okay, so be, yeah. so the, the recovery, you have this. Okay, let's go on. You have the recovery resource centers, so they can go yeah. to these locations yeah. to do these meetings. Is that where most yes. meetings occur? Yeah, yeah, At, yeah, the, at yeah. the centers? Most of our, so all of those places we know, we mentioned that we have, so the recovery resource center initiative is really our second thing after our recovery support program. And where this got started was we had these conversations back in 2020. We originally wanted to get into housing. We wanted to be able to provide people a safe space to live because, like I said, ho uh, homeless gentleman passing was what right. motivated us. Yeah. But what we found out was that it's one thing to get somebody into a house. It's another thing to actually help them initiate and maintain recovery. And that many of our communities, if we went out right now and, op well, not right now, but three years ago, if we right. went out and opened up a sober living home in West Frankfort because I watched it happen, the ancillary support services are not present. So, so you got to go up. You're having to go upstream a little yes. bit. I, so, I got you. So we backed up and we punted the ball. We said, yep. all right, let's set the goal. Year eight, we're going to open up a 140-bed transitional housing facility. How do we get there? But right now our defense is yep. going to have to play for a little while to build us up yep. to that. So the first thing that we had to do was we went around to everybody. Everybody said, who's going to do the work? Illinois is facing a huge behavioral health workforce shortage. Huge. They're predicting us to be about 3,000 behavioral work behavioral health workforce, workers short by 2025. And our, our daughter-in-law is a, a Christian yeah. counselor. Yes. There's so few of them. They just cry constantly because they're over. They, yes, they're she, overburdened. She's turning everybody yep. away. Yes. Uh, they're, 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 yeah, she's got as yep. many as she and, can. And they're burnt out yep. and there's nobody else coming in. So so what happens in that situation is when people need mental health services and there's not enough resources, who gets the first services? Children, 
families, parents, the pregnant people, moms, the people that are yep. easier yep. to work yep. with. Yep. But that 10% of people that, that are con- constantly struggling, constantly needing support, you know, they're the ones that typically get excluded from services. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the least thought of out here, they're just like, yep. they're, they're already marginalized and then they, they, they're not even allowed back on the playing board. Yep. Yeah. So we had to create a workforce. Who was going to do this work? That's why we turned to people with lived experience. That's we good. Tur- we found a state certification where we could train people to become professionals, not be some fly-by-night coach that, you know, got a, got a certificate off the internet we get we put people through an intensive one-year training program that is probably so in your center you're also educating people to be the next counselor yes absolutely all right so we needed a place to work so that's how our resource centers got started so that's where you're doing your training for your peer counselors at different levels of counseling drug courts i i I didn't know there were drug courts i just thought there was judge and divorce court i guess and judge judge judy but you've got well, tell me about the drug courts. They're, they're they're prolific in our area. They're they're overloaded. They're they're it's it's its own world, isn't it? Yeah. So drug court is an alternative to um, incarceration and filling their sentence. Um, they need more funding as well. So uh, a lot of people probably could benefit from it, but a lot of judges put forth a lot of their extra time and effort. Uh, but once again, it's just far and few in between. So um, for instance, I'll use Williamson County, which is Judge Gill. So she saw the value um, as some of our staff and advocacy is something else that we promote. We promote advocate self-advocacy, but we also try to help people to advocate for themselves because now if I had just met you today, would you know that I used to be homeless and no. snorting, you know, using crack cocaine? And okay, so if you advocate for for yourself as a person in recovery, I'm not the drug addict. I'm the person in recovery. So if you introduce yourself that way, people will take you more serious. I'm confident and firm. I'm not that old person. And they I see the transition. I, and, I, and I won't. You're I, not what they thought I'm not they were. Going to be treated that <laughs> right. way any longer right. because I'm not that old person. Absolutely. So, um, so anyhow, um, Judge Gill saw the benefit of letting us have a seat at the table um, based on other people who knew about some of our services. And so um, basically success in drug court uh, means that you, if you continue the drug court program, which is usually about 15 months, give or take, uh, normally what happens is then they like, they have this whole graduation ceremony as well and go back out into the community and they don't have to finish serving their sentence any longer. You're a changed person. You're doing Uh the next right thing. Um, unfortunately, if someone does fail and fail means whatever the judge decides based on the laws and rules, they didn't show up, they didn't do their covenant, whatever. Exactly. Um, and basically, so then they, um, usually the jury ends up saying that they have to serve the rest of their sentence. But so it's a real crucial process to be, if if you've been chosen to be part of drug court, they've seen something special in you and they feel. So who are they using in this area? I, I, who, who are the primary providers helping them with the judge court? So sometimes, so the, the drug court table would be a table such as this. Mm -hmm. You'll have judge Gill. You may have a probation officer, a state's attorney, possibly you'll have a public defender, but uh, they may even have a clinical counselor that they're working with maybe through outpatient through Centerstone Mm -hmm. or a gateway. However, They've now said, take action today. We want you here because you're working with them. Your peer services are invaluable and it is helping to support them when we can't be there, you know, wow. to provide services. So I, I, I was at their gala recently and I not only saw Judge Gill, but I saw judges from the other counties as well. They are enthusiastically yeah. excited about your partnership. 
I absolutely. mean, uh, glowing. I mean, the, the judges sit next to us, mm-hmm. next to us, and they love. You're making their jobs happy. We very so, happy. So you you th- you think about what we always see with drug addicts and homeless people. We always see the bad behavior. Right. So now imagine you're a judge that all you do is see people on their worst days. Yeah. But then this group comes along, and they're those people you've seen on their worst days, but now you see them at their best days. Yeah. How can you Amen. not? They look like that, parents right? as they watch the different groups they, get introduced. They never see it. Yeah, I yeah. loved it. It was great. Yeah. Recovery education and reentry. Tell me a little bit about that piece of your, your pie there. So uh, two of our peer specialists who started out uh, with what's called Recovery Corps. Recovery Corps is a training program through AmeriCorps where Mike hired his first two employees. Recovery Corps actually provided the uh, education hours that were needed. Uh, Mike provided the space through his nonprofit to uh, let them do their direct service Mm -hmm. hours and do this peer coaching while they were training. Uh, So Paul, who is one of our uh, peer recovery specialists, but now he's also in our CMHL, which is Community Mental Health Liaison, which I think is that's somewhere, next. Uh, somewhere on down the list. So him and Leanna were the only two peers at that time, and Mike was overseeing the organization. Um, he literally did a lot of research, um, used some portions from when he was in treatment to say this really helped me when I was in treatment, and basically came up with a curriculum. Uh, Sheriff Kyle Bacon uh, was on board. He said, what we're doing obviously isn't good enough. We're willing to try it and see if this helps. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But what we're doing now isn't really helping. So um, he said, let's do a pilot program in here. It was a brief curriculum, basically educating um, the uh, people that were incarcerated on Uh, that there is treatment available, there is help, there's peer services. When you get out, you can do peer services with us. Maybe we'll connect you and try to find you a safe place to stay, et cetera, et cetera. And the rest is history. It took off. um, And like I said, that is why they were also at the gala. So you're basically giving them a a ramp to the community you want to build. Yes. And they can take it or not take it. Absolutely. Yes. So this is one of the most beautiful programs that we have. Because almost all of our staff have been impacted by the justice system. Yeah. Many of them. I have a staff member right now that at the beginning of COVID was in Menard, was in the pit at Menard. Now he is going in the Franklin County Jail to serve in this program. And so when the program started, it, it was originally a 12-week program where, it, where we would bring people in in a group who were in the jail. They would receive an hour of an hour-long group, an education class, training, they would also receive a homework assignment to work on during the week, and then they would get a 30-minute uh, recovery coaching wow. session with one of our staff for 12 weeks. We've now expanded that program to where it goes on every day, Monday through Friday, in the jail. The jail administration is actually even considering setting a pod aside for a recovery pod. I love where it. Where people in this jail can commit to a pathway of recovery, go into this environment where they're surrounded by other people who are committed to recovery and talking about recovery all the time to where they're not just wasting their time sitting in jail, stewing on their past behavior, mm-hmm. yeah. perhaps learning new beha- learning uh, bad behaviors. Right. Now they get to go into a positive environment that get to become healing and they get resources. You're getting upstream now. Upstream. Absolutely. They're coming out. They don't have to go Absolutely. back in the trash bag, living on the street. They're going to come Absolutely. out with a plan. I see what you're saying about going up, 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 upstream. Mm-hmm. So that person coming out, 
yep. if there was a transitional house for them, yes. they're way ahead yes. of the game. So well, what we some have of to, those people have never been in a positive environment. Exactly. Exactly. So when we talk, when we, and that's one thing that we can't, we can't forget about. And it's a part of another conversation that we started into earlier is that the environment that a person lives in is so important. We spent so much time talking about back during the eighties, they came out with this study called the, uh, um, uh, adverse childhood and adverse childhood experiences. Mm -hmm. And they made the connection that a lot of these challenges are based in trauma that we experience as children, abandonment by parents, uh, abuse, uh, poverty, any of these types of things contribute to our trauma. Well, what we're now starting to find out is how important that, that environment it is, uh, because we're starting to call them ad adverse community environments or adverse community experiences. Mm -hmm. So like you say, many people have never been around people uh, that, that talk in a positive manner. They've mm -hmm. never been in an environment that's conducive to healing. Right. You know, when you're surrounded by people who have the same behavior that you just came out of, you keep getting the same bad advice from everybody. Right. Wow. So now they get to go into a place where they get poured loved on, they get poured into not only by our staff, but by jail administration, the enemy. Wow. Yeah, that's now comes in and it's a, of, it's a whole different yeah. approach. That's, that's yeah. just amazing. Community mouth, uh, community mental health and substance use liaison. Where, where are you, where, what, 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 what does that mean? What kind of work are you doing there? So if you look at, if you look at any community assessment done around our region, two of the biggest things that they will point out that, that we need in our region for substance use and mental health is screening and assessment. The CMHL is our response portion of our program. Those people that, like I said, if there's a gentleman that's been sleeping in a tent, you know, and somebody, somebody will call and let us know about that, we might go out there. Perhaps it's a homeless gentleman that's been sleeping in the door stoop of a town square, or it's that individual that just keeps getting arrested for being drunk. The cops right. don't know what to do This is a little bit them. interventional? Yeah. Oh, it's 100%. 100%. So they respond, they perform an assessment and the screening, and then start getting them to care. You can't Rather really make them, them come out, but you can be there to invite them regularly. Yeah. yeah. I, I, that's it's, fantastic. It, it's like deflection. So most of it's centered around people who, who interact with the justice system frequently. So we work closely with judges. That's why you saw so many judges there. Yeah. Because we're providing a They're going to say, we're going to give you a chance maybe to go directly, but why don't you talk to them first and see if you can be assessed. And then if, if you get an, an agreement, mm -hmm. then they, so you're, yep. everybody's giving them ramps. Yeah. And this is somebody that helps them connect to that ramp. So but if, there, are they also somebody that's been in recovery themselves? So yes. they're now a peer. Yes. So it's not just a judge telling you, it's nope. saying, dude, take, take the hope, yep. you know? In a, so, yeah. so take it out of a justice setting. Let's go to an emergency room where I've been an individual that's overdosed three times in the last six months. Right. So I go to that emergency room. How do you think those nurses and that emergency staff treat me? Oh man. You know, but now they can call a CMHL who can come to the emergency room and they can meet this individual. And give them another way of hope other yep. than Narcan. Yep. And so now the nurses <laughs> can go and do what their job is, which is dealing with everybody else. And now you have somebody from lived experience that can sit with that person and talk with them. Yeah. Right. Begin, begin helping them identify what they want to do. And there's that connection again, that, that connection. Yep. Yeah. Um, yes, I do understand. I overdosed 12 times only miracle of God that I'm here right now. So yes, I do understand right. that connection. Right. Safe passage program. What is that? Somebody can turn themselves into various locations, typically law enforcement or police department. And instead of locking them up, they'll call us and we'll come and we'll begin helping that. Individual. You'll help them through the process. Yep. And that, that shows they're already advocating for, for a better path. Yep. And the, the local authorities work with you yes. because you're representing hope. 
Yeah. And, and they know that there's already a process started by the fact they've reached out to you. Yep. They're beginning to take responsibility. Yep. Okay, that's great. Now they got to do so before they're arrested. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yes. Yeah, you can't get arrested and then be like, now I want help. You, no. you, it's got to be ahead of time. I'm yeah, in yeah. trouble for this. I want you guys to help me get out of this, but I'm willing to go through a process to do to not be in this again. Yeah. So it's, so and what it's ahead. about is opening up access for people to be able to turn themselves into You're getting upstream again. You're getting upstream. You keep going upstream. One of these days we're going to get to that house, but you've got to get yeah. up there a bit. Narcan and Illinois DOP Initiative. Now, Narcan, if you need Narcan, you're in trouble. I mean, you're... I mean, well, can't, or unless you're coming out of anesthesia from surgery. Well, and, and here's another thing about that advocacy. So most people hear Narcan, they think um, opiates, heroin, addict, that's not me, I don't need it. However, you don't know if your child, grandchild, whatever. Picks up something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So Narcan is harmless. Uh, so if, yep. if right now you found Narcan and you thought it was nasal spray and you ingested it, Nothing's going to happen to you unless you're on opiates. It only counteracts um, opioids. Yes. And so we are educating the community to say it's not just for heroin addicts. What if mom or grandma, you know, is on medication? Maybe she has dementia, too. Maybe she forgot if she took a pill and now she's taking another pill. Uh-huh. What if grandma was visiting and dropped a pill and the dog or the grandbaby found it? I've got Narcan on hand now. Like I said, harmless if nothing's happened. And... We have gotten so many people to say, wow, you know, I never thought about it that way. I'm only thinking, like, I don't have heroin in my house, so I don't need this. Um, I carry Narcan in my car constantly with me because how do I know that if one day I'm going through the grocery store parking lot and someone's just laying there passed out and everybody else just steps over them because we know there are those people. Um, So, you know, once again, maybe I use my Narcan. Maybe I tell someone else, would you mind calling 911? I'm not sure what's going on, Um, but it's not going to hurt. You know, unless, so you're helping yeah. get people aware of what it's for. Yes. Are you helping provide it to certain places or yeah. anything? So that's where the DOP comes in. The DOP is part of Illinois' drug overdose prevention program. So a lot of people don't think that overdose is a severe problem, a significant problem within the rural communities, but it actually is. One of the things that I noticed three years ago when we got started, and I'm going to start into this not saying that's anything that Take Action has done specifically. It's been a right. lot, result of a lot of actions. But where I live at in Franklin County had an overdose mortality one and a half times the state and national averages. High. That means if you had an overdose in Franklin County, you were probably going to die. Right. You probably right. weren't going to get the help that you needed. Okay, that has come down. It's about half the rate that it was three years ago. Wow. And a lot of that is because we are putting so much Narcan out there everywhere. You go okay. in some places and there's dispensing machines for it. Uh, well, how are you doing? I mean, I've, I've always heard it's really expensive. So that's where the DOT program, the state pays for it. That's okay, fantastic. So, the you know, state so, the, so they it. give it to us, and then we give it to everybody. You have to do some training with people on how to use it we, or how to so apply So we do offer training. We do have an overdose awareness training. So you don't need any training to use it. Because you can't really hurt somebody you can't with hurt it. Anybody. Right, right, right. You right, just right. shoot it up their nose. People right. don't realize but that. We it's not methadone. You know, right. it's Narcan. It's a yeah. counteractive to opioids. Yeah. Opioid affects a receptor in the brain that counters that immune. Absolutely. So my dad's a surgeon. Yeah. They put you out. And see, doctor says, wake him up. They give them Narcan. Yeah. It reverses the, anesthesia, yeah. the fentanyl or whatever. It reverses it. But that's controlled. In, many people, if you've had surgery, you may have been given Narcan to be woken up. Yeah. So, and so, so here's something else, too, is that so from our perspective, being there and having that lived experience. Um, so my drug of choice was crack cocaine. But so now we have some people who are using methamphetamine saying, I don't really need to carry Narcan because I don't use an opiate. But they're now putting fentanyl in 
everything. Everything. Exactly. Everything. Uh, Marijuana can be laced with yeah. it. Everything. You guys right. heard of xylazine? Xylazine is an animal tranquilizer that, you know, for each time we make two steps forward on, you know, helping people to survive and get the, ho- the hope and help that they need, they you know, there's something there's something else, else yeah. you know. And uh, But we know the enemy wants to, to kill and destroy. Right. So basically... You know, we're saying, no, take the Narcan. I mean, like I said, we, we all got grandkids here now, so they've got marijuana gummy bears that yeah. look like right. candy. You yeah. know, I mean, I I might take a few so, myself, you know. Yeah. The, yeah. Re- the reason why we do this, the reason why we do a lot of our programs, one of the things that I identified early on was we often point the, we also oftentimes point our finger up to the northern part of the state saying, you guys are sucking up all the resources. Right. We don't have them in Tons of it going up there. And that's a lot of truth. But what I have found out, too, is that the other side of that problem is that we don't have a mechanism in southern Illinois that actually tells what's going on in our, st- our communities. We're being left but, out. Because when you don't have the behavioral and mental health providers, you don't have the people collecting the data. There's no stats. There's no numbers. You, yep. And then you don't have people telling that story in an accurate way. So there are people up there allocating resources, making decisions that only have a picture, only have a very small tiny glimpse of what it's like in a rural community in southern illinois so we collect a lot of this data we collect all of our overdose all of our all of our we don't collect personal information to share with the state but we do collect all this data about what people are experiencing and we send it upstream and then all of a sudden more resources are coming but the bigger part and that'll be the wrap up here in just a second is Mm -hmm. that as we suddenly gets more aware of the issue. There's more resources, but there's very few organizations standing up to actually be available to go to the front line and and walk with people like you're doing. And that's the problem. That's why they don't have that information because there aren't enough people down here collecting. But as you put light on it and more resources become available, it's making a, a, the conversation. So that leads to the Sunlight Recovery Network. Is that part of this process of building that team and awareness, getting more data, getting more information, more partnerships? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, go ahead. So, so Southern Illinois Recovery Network is our collaborative effort between the lower 18 counties in Illinois because we can't do everything ourselves. We don't want to do everything ourselves. We are already way too spread out. Mm-hmm. So the only other choice we have is to train other people and empower them to do the same work we're doing. So we actually encourage competition. Right. That's what makes us different. We want to empower our competition to do the same job. And, but that's doing. also going to bring right. more resources here. Yep. There's more awareness. So that's how we do a stronger it a coalition. Right. Yep. Because we're not Chicago, yep. but the 18 counties can start yep. at least being heard. Because what do we know? We know a oh, we know we know a strand made of one or two strings can be easily broken. But what happens when we add a third and a fourth and a fifth yes. string? Right. It yeah. becomes unbreakable. Right. And we are much stronger as a region, as a com- as a community, yeah. than we are as separate individual entities. So you're, you're, the last thing on the list, and we're going to come back to the next, the last one next, but that, that leads to coalition building. You're always working to build partnerships. Yes. Uh, I, I'm I'm the president of the Heron House of Hope Board of Directors. Uh, we started the feeding program here in Heron. John, Steve, go watch the last show in season two, the amazing Heron House of Hope, and we had John, Steve on. And John, uh, John co-hosted with us on an episode for this season as well. Um, John's story is incredible. He came from prison, came from gangster Chicago. Um, I was the one who came back and hired him and started the process here. I left here 20 plus years before then, so be 32 years ago, with nothing happening in that area. I came back 20 years later as a pastor back here again, and the pastors were still talking about the same problem of hungry and help things happening yes. and i said you're kidding and one of my colleagues that was there when i left he looked at me and said, yes troy we we're talking about the exact same thing 20 years ago when you left yep. he said that we were both junior pastors and i said 
dude. I said, we got to fix this. Yes. The last two communities I've been in, I helped start sort similar, uh, the Highland Area Christian Service Ministry, helped start something like that in Waterloo, Illinois. I said, well, we can start something here. So that led to the Heron House Hope being launched, and we, I, I led that effort. And today, uh, John Steve is our executive director. We're, we fed almost a half a million people over a thousand GEDs, all that. And and our next phase is we just got a whole new building next door that equals our footprint. And our dream is to add a community wellness clinic, to do mobile clinics. Hopefully we can come out and partner at some of your places. But it's and funny so, that you say that because we recently volunteered to serve some meals over there with John. Yeah. Uh, John uh, said the prayer over our walk for recovery wow. that we had last August. And so he said, you know, hey, if you want to have some people come out during our lunchtime, Absolutely. maybe somebody, you know, wants to sign up for your services that doesn't even still know, even with right. our That's advocacy. That's right. right. Well, we're going to get more intentional. We're, what What is the thrift store is going to be moved out to its own place next door, and the thrift room is going to become an educational, a wellness room, a place where you guys can come and do workshops and, and, and at least introductory things. Maybe you could put a recovery uh, resource center in there someplace. And I'm already working with Mike to have you guys help us with the behavioral piece of what will be hopefully someday down a wellness gap clinic there. Mm -hmm. We're already talking about doing it as a mobile version. The the county health officials in Williamson County have already supported us and endorsed us. The local emergency management people have already endorsed us and supported us. We've already got huge foundations here giving us money. And Mike and I have been conniving over lunch about how we can build this clinic and even emergency shelter. And him and I really have a long-term dream. We'd both like to see some transitional housing here. So as we get to the inside of this coalition building, I mean, I just met him a couple weeks ago. We've already had lunch a couple times. We're doing a show together. Chicken chicken wings are the food of social. That's right. And, and, and it's been fun to see it. And so what, what I bring is a hands hope foundations, medical side to the Heron house of hopes feeding program. And you add to that, uh, take action today's ability to deal with the behavioral side of it. And you have a partnership that could, that could begin emergency housing and lead to transition. Yeah, we have a community. And see, and there's all those connections. And paradise is starting to look a little better for the rats. That's right. You know what I'm saying? There's some hope there because you're not stuck with only one choice or nothing. And I think our dream, I think, openly is you'd like to see some recovery housing. You want to finally get to where God started you. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to get upstream enough, get people well enough, both mentally, physically, and emotionally. And hopefully even with the clinic, we can treat some of their issues, hypertension and diabetes, things that keep them from being able to hold a job because they just can't function. And we deal with the behavioral issues as well. And and we begin to see a community get better. Will we fix everybody? Absolutely not. That's not our goal. Our goal is to give people at one hope a chance, right? That's right. So here's what we're going to do is is we wrap up this. We're not done with this series. We're going to, we got a real surprise for you in episode four. You're going to come back for that. You do not want to miss it. We're going to talk about real life testimonies. We're going to talk about from the water and death, almost certain death to somebody that is uh, in the leadership pathway for you in an amazing way. So we're going to meet a couple more of your staff people and we're going to meet Dan and Rebecca Piles, part of your team. And we're going to hear their story and testimony. And they're going to dig into more about the peer counseling. Tell us a little bit more about that process of walking with people. Because I mean, we, his story is real. And, and he's been a part of helping you guys lead other people. So if you you didn't, if you you know, this as a pastor, you can't do anything without being surrounded by great people. Absolutely. Great people who are willing to step outside of themselves and contribute to something bigger than themselves. Right. Yeah. We've been, we have been blessed with so many of those that take action today. Absolutely. You know, people who, 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 who there was something in their life that meant to destroy them. 
Mm-hmm. Now they're taking those experiences and using them to, to impact other people's lives. Yep, and you cannot shut off that compassion. It's just no. um, sometimes we're in a meeting where most people, you hear the word meeting, you think, oh, another meeting. We get excited. Opportunity. Like, opportunity. Hope. Right. Yes, opportunity. And we could do this and we could do this and we could help them. And like, and that's just, the light. And that's you can the light. See it at How the many gala. people love this? You can see, no, you can see it at the gala. You can see it at the gala. How many people love this? Our job? Hands yeah. of Hope Galas feel like that too because people are getting to go do medical. They're seeing what their money's done to educate people overseas or they've changed something here. Mm-hmm. When you give people real hope and they can see real proof and real, and real they production. See that you're really doing genuine that's yeah. making a difference yeah. you know yeah that's where i'm going to help big time here because yeah. uh we're going to have dan and rebecca in part part four but before we get to part four of this series i want to say this to you take action today would really like to get eventually to, to uh recovery housing uh here in house of hope and the hands hope foundation that that i lead we would really like to get to recovery housing and 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 transitional housing um We've talked, we're going to collaborate. We believe God that there's somebody out there, whether you're in Franklin County or you're in Williamson County, uh, whatever, one of these Southern counties, we believe somebody out there, you have influence, you, you, you own or connected with, uh, old nursing home, uh, a hotel. I don't know what we need is a place so we could put some apartments and some housing in, in a controlled setting and give people a place to have a one step toward their own place. Something in between a hut house and there, something between an emergency shelter and 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 the finish line. It may be a place for six months or eight months or nine months while they're in a program. We need you in the Marion community. There's a place called the Lighthouse, and it is there for thirty days. They help people get into emergency housing. We need some place like that for the broader part of Southern Illinois. We need some place where they can partner with Take Action Today. They can be in peer counseling. They can be getting some medical care, um, and we can be helping them get toward the vision and hope and dream. Of, of, of having a life that they've, they have that paradise. Yeah. And it's doable, but we need a place to work from. So if you're out there and you're interested in that, let me tell you right now, online right there, you can see on the screen, recovery at takeactiontoday.net. Tell them, email them, tell them, I've got a place, I want to donate a place, or I just want to give some money in the future to a place, or you have a home, you're fixing to sell it, and you don't have any kids, donate the money and give it to one of our foundations and designate it to that future recovery house. Absolutely. There are people out there that can make those kind of gifts. Yes, they have nobody to leave their legacy to, leave a legacy that would actually change Southern Illinois. And if I could also throw out there that, you know, there are a lot of people who don't have the education or the understanding exactly. Sometimes people still think it's a, a moral issue. Why can't they just stop, you know? and I hear that all the time. Exactly. <laughs> so, but all I, I'd like to say to the people who may still feel that way, if you still feel that way, Give me a call and I'll make an appointment with you. But um, yes. just try to remember that someone who is addicted to drugs or homeless or has mental health issues or whatever, they are someone's mom, yeah. wife, father, brother, child. Please, if you can only see it from that point. Yeah, let me say this. I always, yeah. I, a lot of times I told people back early in my ministry, you know, they're really having behavioral difficult kids, something like this. I said, you know, one of the best things you can do maybe is encourage them to go in the military. The military has a way of stripping you down and putting you back together. And then you create a brotherhood or sisterhood and a community. And that was kind of what we told people. You need to go to the military. But I hate to tell you the people that think, well, they just need to quit doing drugs. They went to the military and the military changed them because they, they were stripped down and put back together. You know what I'm saying? And so most of us, even that came from right world, we were put through 
the concrete was poured into us by family before us. Some people didn't get that. And you've got to go back in. I hate to tell you, right now, Beth and I are paying a fortune because of my mom's condo. Uh, they have a bunch of damage because they didn't build the footings right in Florida, and things are falling in. And so we're having to spend $1.5 million or something like that. The well, six, we're not. Well, the <laughs> six condos. The six condos. $1.5, a piece. To, to fix what they didn't do right because there's no footing or foundation, right? Some people didn't have that foundation. And if you don't have it, it's got to be put in. And a recovery house is a place where you can put in what maybe they didn't get. You call it hard work. It's hard work because you saw somebody work hard. You need, we want to put a place where people can learn to work hard again. Working hard is not something you're born with. It's a social behavior that's developed, you know, and, and maybe they got to get free of a substance. Yes. But in an environment where that's with it, where that's lifted up. So I, if you're out there, it's a big ask, but there may be somebody out there that goes, I'd like to help with that. I would like to donate this. I got some, we, I have we have an Edward Jones account. You can transfer stock to the Hands Hope Foundation, and I'll make sure that it gets to take action today, here in House Hope, to build that recovery center. We are believing God after the clinic. Very soon, the recovery center's next, but we're waiting on you. We're waiting on you out there to help us. Somebody in Southern Illinois has got a place for us. Yes, they do. God is ready for us because Amen. you've been patient going back upstream to fix the problem. And so right now, I just want to believe God's going to let us get in the stream, come down, and see that recovery house become a reality because I think that's the start to people having a, a new pathway. Yeah. And it's exciting. You guys have been a blessing. We're not done with this series. We're going to be back in part four with Dan and Rebecca. This won't be the last time you hear from these guys at all, but uh, it's been great to have you guys on the show, Mike. Thank awesome. you for thank having you. us. Crystal, wonderful job so much. And thank you for Donna taking care of us today. We've been long on all the episodes, but these have been Hashtag some of the- bring Donna back. Yeah, bring Donna back <laughs> right there on the doc.org. That is our website. Go there, find out how to link up to us and info at on the doc.org is there. Check out the show description. I'll have links to take action today and how to reach out to them you can always email us there we'll get you connected um and and watch all these shows uh we, we, they're, they're fantastic go to youtube to watch those in archive spotify and itunes google play facebook roku rumble and sermonette facebook instagram twitter telegram and getter are our social media partners talk to us about that if you want to give that gift reach out there but email us we don't want to miss that and check that out subscribe hit like notify and you can go to my Patreon. There's four ways to be a partner of this program if you've enjoyed it. And there's three ways you can become a sponsor of this program. And don't forget slnt.com. Get that Faraday bag so the Chinese will quit listening to your phone and sending you stuff you don't want. People are stealing your stuff and your information. Oh, I told the whole story in the first episode. I told the whole first episode in this. Yeah, Beth is one that calls this. She got the first notice about J.G. Wentworth. <laughs> And, and, and now my Faraday bag is coming, Beth. SLNT.com, promo code OTD. Go check that out, and we get some money. You get a big discount, and you help our show out that way as well. If you don't have a church home, come to Community Faith Church, 10 o'clock on Sunday, 6.30 on Wednesdays in Marion. Where do you guys go to church at? I'm, I live in Johnson County. In Johnson so, County. Uh, yeah, I'm at Shawnee Worship Center. There you go. Shawnee Worship yeah, Center. We've been, we've been going to Redemption just in between West Franklin and Johnson. There you go. There's two churches right there. Reach out to these guys. They'll get you in a place too. We just want you to get in a church where the gospel's being preached, and we want you to get on a, on, on a pathway where God can be glorified in your life. So you've been on the dock here with Pastor Troy. Mother Beth, been good to have you back in studio. With great hair. Yeah, with great hair, of course. <laughs> Mike, a pleasure. Crystal, thank you so much, Donna. And uh, we look forward to seeing everybody back for part four. It's going to be incredible. We hope you're enjoying this. Pass it out. Share it with everybody else. Be a part. And if you're that person out there that has that place, that property, that thing that can help us make that recovery dream come true, just do it. And if not, go to takeactiontoday.net and make a donation anyway. And we'll see you soon. I'm Pastor Troy, and we're on the dock.